We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey now, Roto-Grinders, welcome to the Ownership Report, Week 6, National Football League. My name is Chris Gimino, Projected Ownership Analyst, and I am joined by Scott Hansen. He's Scott Four. We are going to go over Week number 6 in the National Football League from a Projected Ownership perspective. And shout out to all of you watching on YouTube. We're free this week. Scott, how's it going? Are you ready to tell even more people what we're up to here for Projected Ownership Week 6? Um, I believe so. I think... Um... You know, I, I one thing I have, though, I've not seen the screen share this time. Well, Scott, we'll get that solved here in just a second. We, we will absolutely get you access to the latest and greatest ownership <laughs> projections as we will get each and every person watching this show. If you can feel free to go ahead and like and subscribe this channel so you can see all the great content that Roto-Grinders puts out on the YouTube channel. We would greatly appreciate that. This is normally a premium show, and the reason for that is because we're going over our premium ownership projections whom at the quarterback position, Scott, we are looking at Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Matthew Stafford as the top three in our projected ownership right now on Roto-Grinders, on DraftKings specifically, pretty similar on FanDuel. Scott, do you have any problem with these three guys being projected as a chalk? I can't really find any reason to disagree with the way the ownership projections are spitting this out. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think that, you know, they all fit in pretty nicely as far as price and, um, that way it's just easy to stack with them. They all have good stacking partners. They're all in pretty much projected shootouts or at least a projected high score for their own team. Yeah, Tannehill is the guy who's coming off the big game on Tuesday, gets a good matchup with the Houston Texans. Uh, We can see here that his price on DraftKings at 5.9 is very conducive to stacking, and you'll see there's some popular options to pair up with him. If you go ahead and run, uh, the stack finder on Rotor Grinders, you'll see with our fantasy point projections, you're getting a lot of Texans and Titans coming back towards the top of the points per dollar outputs here. So it's pretty clear to me that Tannehill is going to be the beneficiary of having played the most recent game, having uh, one of the easiest to pair with partners and a guy like Fitzpatrick, who really, you know, while he's had coming off a good game himself, who we called on the show last week. I do think that it's pretty difficult to imagine as many people pairing him up with, say, someone like a Devontae Parker, as we'll see with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah, it all makes sense. I think that, you know, that's what people are going to be on. And um, we'll have to see what happens because, you know, there's always a chance that things could get rearranged quite a bit if one of these games just gets taken off the slate last minute. And I think that's something that's important to be prepared to adjust to because, you know, we could do this whole show, um, have our ownership projected, and then all of a sudden one game that's, you know, got maybe some chalky players comes off the slate and all of a sudden it really rearranges everything. So I think it's important to maybe have some contingency plans 
um, in case that happens and know that if any of these chalk players end up off the slate, then, you know, we're going we're gonna to find some different chalk in there as well. Do you think there's enough bring back partners for Matthew Stafford to get his ownership up to even where we have it? I mean, the one concern I do have here with Stafford is that he looks good in a cash game lineup, uh, especially if you're playing on a site like FanDuel. If you go ahead and try to enter their single entry series sponsored by Rotor Grinders uh, coming up this week, you know, through week six to 13, you can get into that, by the way. Top four combined scores are going to count for each buy-in tier and the top two finishers in each tier are going to advance to the six-man 20K final. But again, if you are playing on FanDuel, you are playing in the single entry series coming up with one of these buy-in levels, $5, $33, Stafford is going to look pretty good in those lineups by himself, but he's not going to really look good coming back with like, who, like in like a sort of banged up LaVisca, or I'm sorry, banged up DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. Is it Robinson? Like, can you actually see Stafford getting up in ownership with those bringbacks? I still could. I, I mean, not everyone brings it back anyway. You know, you don't necessarily have to. It's um, it's still pretty common to have a stack that's just quarterback and one wide receiver and then go about the rest of your lineup. So uh, there's really nothing wrong with that. It works even in a shootout because sometimes in a shootout, you know, the scoring could be spread out among the other team and there might not be any good bringbacks anyway. But, you know, I think that James Robinson is the the most common bringback and his ownership kind of reflects that. He'll at least have, you know, probably double digit ownership. Um, and then, you know, you do have some options, but they they roll three wide receivers out. If I think that if um, DJ Tart plays, which it kind of seems like he's trending towards playing now, then you know, the value of the Jacksonville side of things is a little bit muddled. But um, if Chark, for some reason, is out, then all of a sudden you've got really good value with Chenault and even with, like, Keelan Cole. If you're watching the show for the first time, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the chalk players at each position. And then later in the show, we're going to come back and talk about a low-owned player that we each of us like at each position. Uh, looking at – those are the top three guys pretty clearly. I think kind of the next in line owned player – at the quarterback position is going to be Deshaun Watson. Now, Watson, I actually think if you are going to play in like something like the FanDuel single entry series or some single entry three max on DraftKings, I think he's sort of the savvy play. I, I like him quite a bit for a couple of different reasons. Certainly he's got the ceiling and it's been demonstrated a number of times, but I also think that Tennessee has run pretty hot uh, to have uh, all the wins that they have. I don't necessarily think that they've outplayed their opponents. And if you look at something like greater than IQ, you look at yards per play allowed from the defense, you see that the Tennessee defense uh, has allowed quite a bit. They're actually the top yards per play allowed on this entire slate. So I do think that Watson going up against these cornerbacks that are non-imposing with some fairly decent quality wide receivers, especially Will Fuller. I'm thinking Watson is kind of the play here if you're looking for your first pivot off those three chalk guys. Yeah, wow. Um Looks like the news just dropped that Melvin Gordon didn't travel with the team to Denver. So we got Philip Lindsay, maybe a little bit chalky incoming. But um, absolutely. absolutely have to adjust for that when we get to the running back position. What do you think about these Texans? We'll jump on that Denver news in a minute. Yeah. So um, I think, for one, Watson is one of my favorite quarterbacks this week. He always has pretty much as high of a ceiling as anyone out there because he has that rushing upside and he has that. You know, he doesn't really have a great defense on the other side, so there's always shootout potential, whereas with a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, the defense kind of keeps things in check so that Lamar really has to go off early to get his, or, you know, maybe they have to, to struggle a little defensively, which doesn't happen often. But with Watson, I mean, this game looks like it's going to be a shootout, and he's he's got a really high chance of a rushing touchdown, I think, in this game. I think he's got good weapons all over the field. And um, they really should be able to move the ball against Tennessee, who's coming off of an extremely short week. Yeah, like I, like I mentioned, Watson really popping uh, when you're in the stack finder on Roto-Grinders lineup HQ. So from a points per dollar perspective, if he's not going to be the highest owned quarterback on DraftKings, then we can certainly dial him up, feel pretty good about it. Uh, okay, so the next group of guys, I don't want to dive too deep because we want to talk about low-owned guys later. But you know, you have like Cousins, who's got a bunch of chalky players surrounding him. Lamar Jackson who's running less in at least last week he didn't run as much and the Ravens are not jumping out of their skin to say they want to get him back and running as much as he was running last year. And that's a concern for daily fantasy sports. We've got Aaron Rodgers, who's pretty expensive, but you know, he's also got like 
really, really high upside when you when you start to look at how often he's used in the deep game, how often he's throwing the ball inside the 10-yard line. You, know, you, know, you have to look at him as a good tournament play. And then Cam Newton, of course, the goal line back for the New England Patriots, uh, also projecting somewhere between 4 and 6%. Do you have any problem with any of these ownership projections, by the way? And do you have any comments on that group of next-in-line guys I just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty in line with these um, as far as what I have. I mean, I, I project on DraftKings because that's like the main that I'm on. But um, but yeah, as far as those, I mean, I think they're all going to be in sort of like somewhere around 5% and maybe even a little less for some of the guys. I don't think anyone's going to get too high up there. Um, I got Lamar and Aaron Rodgers both at 6% on DraftKings and I got Cousins at 7 So. I think that there's going to be some definite people uh, wanting to stack that um, Atlanta Minnesota game for sure. I mean, there's tons of options in that game, but I think that some people are going to be pretty cautious with the Atlanta side of it. I, I think that, you know, uh, because of the way Matt Ryan has played lately and because of the injury issues there, um, we might see maybe a little lower ownership on that game on the Atlanta side of it than we probably should. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Um, certainly, from the quarterback perspective, you're going to see you're going to see Cousins probably somewhere around you know five six percent owned, uh, and that's purely just because of how popular you know you, you know you you would think Thielen and Madison, who we'll talk about the running back position, are going to be two of the more popular plays at some point. We're going to see some people who are multi-entry getting involved with Kirk Cousins. I don't think he'll be one of like the the primary uh, quarterbacks this week, but I certainly think at sixty one hundred on DraftKings, we'll see quite a bit. Anything else you want to mention here at quarterback? Do you have any comments on Aaron Rodgers? Um, I mean, his price is pretty high this week, so so that part's not ideal. He's already had a couple pretty big weeks against um, poor pass defenses, and now he faces one that's a lot better. So um, the thing is, with Aaron Rodgers, if he's on, I don't know that it matters that much how good the defense is because if he's on, he's just going to light it up anyway. Um, this game could shoot out. I think that if it shoots out, then Rodgers could still be, you know, the top quarterback of the week. Um, at the same time, um, sometimes, you know, games like this just become sort of dink and dunk fests and both teams drive down the field quite a bit. Maybe some drives stall out into field goals and a game that looks like it could be a shootout ends up just being like, you know, 27-24 and nobody goes too crazy. And, you know, you've just got decent stats all the way through, but nothing that really stands out. Aside from Deshaun Watson, any other quarterbacks in the chalkier realm that you plan on taking a fairly decent exposure to above the projected ownership? Yeah, I think I will on Stafford, actually. You know, for me, um, that Jacksonville pass defense is going to be pretty weak, and we really haven't seen the explosion from the Detroit wide receivers yet. And, I mean, I, I really like them this week. I think that um, Stafford hasn't had a whole lot of time um, with his team healthy all the way, and they are coming off of a bye as well, which I think is another thing that really helps him because they were a little bit banged up before. Yeah, you look here at Garrett and IQ, just tons of positive metrics for the Jacksonville pass defense, including some of the more basic ones like fantasy points allowed and DVOA. So just all around sort of lines up as a spot here where the Lions coming off the bye could put up some fantasy points. Let's talk about the running back position. I think this is probably the most interesting position of the week for me because there are so many options. Like it's, you would think that someone like Alexander Madison with Dalvin cook, not going to be available for this game. It was just going to fly through the ceiling and ownership. And yet I can't really get him to the, an extreme place on DraftKings with the 7,200 price tag. You can't really say that he's that much more likely to get picked than someone like a Mike Davis or a Derek Henry who are both, in similarly good positions with similar price tags. And you've also got a number of guys like, like just for example, like David Montgomery in a really good run game matchup spot. You've got Miles Gaskin, who is getting a ton of steam around the industry in a good matchup with the Jets and just 5,400 getting a ton of usage. You've got James Robinson in pretty much the same level of usage, but, you know, maybe not in quite the same spot as some of these other guys. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I don't think people realize that Jordan Wilkins has been DMP for the last two game, the last two practices, and yeah. it could be just him getting all the rushing work. Uh, and I don't expect Naeem Hines to jump in there and do too much. Their practice squad guys like Darius, I believe, I believe Darius Jackson, you know, you can't really peg them for any rushing share. So you could be looking at a 
fantasy point projection that's really high for Jonathan Taylor, and I think that he makes good play. Uh, makes sense in this running back position. You know, first of all, is the projected ownership roughly where you have it on DraftKings? And is there anyone that particularly stands out as someone that you think should go higher? Um, I would say it's it's mostly where I have it. I I do have let's see one that I have higher is Aaron Jones. I think um, you know he is the the highest one. He's the first name that you see when you're making lineups. Um, I've got him at twelve percent as opposed to the eight that you have him at. I think that you know because of the ceiling that he has. He's still going to get into lineups a little bit more than than what's reflected there. But um, I think I actually have Gaskin a little lower because although I think he is a, a sharp play and uh, really he's like one of my favorite plays this week, I, I just don't think that you're going to see a lot of people clicking Miles Gaskin who um, aren't really heavily into DFS. You know, I think you're going to see it at, you know, higher owned at the high buy-ins. Um, I think that it's a, it's a great spot for him. I think that last week it went pretty undercover that, you know, before the second wave of games, Jordan Howard um, was declared inactive. And then all of a sudden Gaskin got this basically three down roll with goal line work. And um, there actually is goal line work in Miami. So um, it's pretty interesting. I think that Gaskin is a really good play. He's, he's not like an overwhelming prospect as far as his actual ability, but he, catches the ball well um he's gonna get what's there and you know um that offense is running pretty smoothly now and they can put up some points so I think that um he's also a good leverage play off of these um off of these Dolphins stacks and you know it's totally possible that he has this big breakout game this week and if he does I'm gonna be on it yeah I mean certainly a fine spot to be doing that you know, I, I I look at the projected ownership on some other sites here, and I, I wonder if maybe my DraftKings ownership should be closer to those levels. I certainly don't think that he's going to be, un, like, overlooked. I, I think there's enough chatter about him, you know, industry-wide, the interconnected web of touts just continuing to spew similar types of information on Gaskin. So I am sort of thinking he'll be more popular than I think you would initially expect. Well, you know, I think that the thing that's going to bring that back down, though, is the Philip. Lindsay news you know now with with uh, Melvin Gordon not traveling with the team I think that you know you're going to see ownership come off of Gaskin I think you're going to see ownership come off of Devontae Freeman and he's going to get into the single digits and you know any of these other guys that are low in cost are suddenly going to be shifted towards Philip Lindsay I think it's worth noting we didn't need another option we didn't really need another cheap option quite frankly so I don't think we're going to see Lindsay skyrocket up the board as much as we may have seen Right. Some other spots where the starter would come out, especially since we're talking about facing New England and they're just probably just going to get trucked. Like the situation is not as beautiful as you might expect. Royce Freeman is still breathing. He still has a pulse. <laughs> so he's, I mean, like, it's not like Lindsay is going to jump into uh, suddenly he's the chalk of the week. But I do think that obviously these projections are wrong that you're looking at right here as far as his ownership industry wide. Uh, speaking of it's wrong, if you play on Yahoo, Alexander Madison is $14 and I haven't projected for like 60% ownership there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I, it's hard to imagine anyone being 60% owned on any slate that's anywhere near this big, but I mean, could even be higher than that at 14. It just, it just seems like a clear misprice. Maybe we don't need to discuss that. Just worth pointing out playing on that side. He's going to be just remarkably popular there. It's just kind of a case of not pricing up the backup when they see an injury happen, I guess. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to talk too much about Madison. You've probably heard enough about him on all the shows all week. Are, are you taking any p- specific position on Madison just because of how popular he's going to be? Um, I mean, I'm not going to fade him because of popularity. Uh, I don't know the exact amount of lineups that I'll be able to get him into, but I like him a lot. He's definitely one of my like top five running backs of the week um, with price factored in as well. Um, I like him a lot. I like Mike Davis a lot. Um you know, and then Gaskin is up there for me. And at this point, I'm going to have to revisit Philip Lindsay too because um, that Patriots defense is not what they were last year. They have a lot of guys who opted out, and you know they've had some sort of additional time off, and things have been kind of weird there because of you know the whole COVID situation. So I don't know. I feel like there's always a chance that Philip Lindsay could actually kind of dominate this game, and I could see that being like a, a really weird game at this point and um he's someone that I want to be on because he he kind of plays with the chip on his shoulder and he also 
Um, sometimes it does just break big plays. And, you know, he's going from sort of the 40% end of the 60-40 split now to more like the 60% end or maybe even higher because Freeman doesn't always get in quite as much. So um, I think that play is really interesting this week now. Pretty much locked into my low on play for running back position now that this uh, Gordon news has transpired because there's a player that I see that will lose ownership because of Philip Lindsay, as I haven't projected. And later in the show, we'll talk about who that particular player is. He's going to have the same or better usage than Philip Lindsay in a better matchup. All right. Mm-hmm. Anything else here at the running back? You want to talk about James Robinson at all? I mean, this guy just continues to get the ball. The matchup isn't necessarily prohibitive against Detroit. Is there anything in particular that makes you think that James Robinson, first of all, will be 10% owned. And if he's going to be lower than this, does it make it interesting to you? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's a good play for his ownership. He's a good play regardless of ownership. Um, the matchup isn't bad at all. I think that he has a good chance to score this week. Um, yeah, this should be a high scoring game. These teams uh, should both have trouble stopping each other. So there's a better chance of goal line work this week. So yeah, I see nothing wrong with the play. It's He's one of those guys who I want to get in as well. And um, there's a chance that I should be trying to get him in. You know, I would say I'd want to get him in ahead of Jonathan Taylor, but I feel like the, the difference at this point is just that um, with, with Wilkins uh, possibly being out, then Jonathan Taylor is getting a boost for his price. So I still have Taylor a little bit ahead of him. And then, of course, I have Mike Davis ahead because he's – now with with his backups being out he's getting basically the full christian mccaffrey role at 7k still and i mean he's still just the best points per dollar play at running back every week in my opinion i have two questions before we move on to wide receiver is there any player on this list above 10 percent that you feel that you want to shy away from more than the field is my first question then we'll get to the second question in a minute man um Let's see. Oh, Ronald Jones is 9.5. Oh, Devontae Freeman. I'm not going to have any Devontae Freeman, most likely. So that one. I'm yeah, I think this number is going to come down to because of yeah. the Philip Lindsay news. Uh, you don't you don't you're not a believer in the usage for Devontae Freeman. You're not a believer in him looking pretty good out there. Um, I think he looked good against the Cowboys. Um I think that the the football team has a better defense than the Cowboys do, actually, um, especially when Chase Young is in the game. So I don't know. I mean, I think that there's always a chance that this game is kind of a shootout. Sometimes two bad teams end up in a game like that. So he, he doesn't – he's not without upside. It's just I like the other players around him a lot more um, as far as the running backs in a similar price range. So it's not really a direction I'll be looking most likely. I was, I was almost sure you were going to say Derrick Henry at 24% owned. First of all, do you do you like that ownership projection at 24% for Derrick Henry? And do you think that he actually has a 24% chance of being the top scorer on the week? I mean, maybe not of being the top scorer, but of being um, kind of necessary in lineups. Yeah, I think he does. Um, I like Derrick Henry. He's, he's also one of the guys I'm prioritizing getting in. Um, it was kind of – Difficult to figure out, like, okay, can I get him in as much as I want to because Madison is right there next to him in price, um, and, you know, Mike Davis is right around him in price. But, you know, to me, he's still a priority. Um, he did have the two-touchdown game before, but this guy, like, doesn't seem to wear down with more carries. It seems like he just keeps getting better um, as the season goes on, as he kind of gets going. He tends to start slow and then pick up. Um, I think that – while people are going to be on Tannehill, you know, it's rare that quarterbacks put up these two really, really massive games like Tannehill just had last week um, in a row. I think that Derrick Henry could be the guy that they're really riding this week um, as they kind of normally do. And, you know, he is coming off of a little bit lighter workload, actually. Like how many, how many carries did he end up with on Tuesday? He was definitely in there for like only like 55 or 60% of snaps or something like that. He was definitely not out there as often as we're used to, but of course, the back immediately behind him, Evans, is going to be out. So it doesn't necessarily look like there's going to be much standing in the way of him getting his usual workload this week. Yeah, so one more comment about Derrick Henry. I think – I'm pretty sure Josh Norman is still traveling through the air after <laughs> he was rocket line. He just He's just a man among boys out there. Uh, second question, who is your guy? Who Give me the first 
one of these backs up at the top of this projected ownership that's going in your lineup for tournaments this week? Um, it's got to be just Mike Davis. Uh, it's Davis and then number two would be Madison. All right, let's get to the wide receiver position on DraftKings where A.J. Brown is pretty clearly going to be the highest owned wide receiver at 5,600 coming off the Monday night game, slightly mispriced by the projections. Uh, looks like a really good smash percent. We're in the smash percentage tool, by the way, on Rotor Grinders. And it looks like just pretty much just a misprice on A.J. Brown at 5,600 coming off Monday night. Going to be like 27, you know, 26. What do you have his projected ownership at right now? Um, pretty much what you have. I have him at 28, but I wouldn't be shocked if it comes up. Um, I know you have you had Terry McLaurin. Where's Terry McLaurin on this now? Um, Teens? Yeah, like I have McLaurin at 14. I wouldn't be shocked because people are kind of um, looking at James Bradbury as a guy that they want to shy away from a little bit. I could see McLaurin's ownership come down and Brown's ownership come up a little more. I could see it being more than two to one uh, between Brown and McLaurin at um, essentially the same price range. Um, I do see Chase Claypool being higher owned. I think he's going to be the chalk of the week at wide receiver. I've got him at 32% and Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher than that. Yeah, I think this is an important time to point out, like, what contest are we talking about when we look at projected ownership? I am aiming with our projections somewhere, like, in the middle of the slant and the millionaire maker, right? Like, somewhere between, like, the the most public contest possible and maybe a sharper multi-entry field like the slant. Uh, someone like a Chase Claypool is definitely going to be higher owned in more public contests. He's not a bad player. I mean, like I think people who are who've been p- paying attention and around the industry are going to play Chase Claypool too. But I just do think that you know when you when you have a game like he had last week, and then you get your, you know, you get the conditions right for him to be a starter again. I definitely think he's going to be very highly owned. I just I don't know if he'll be the top owned player. What you you say you have him in the thirties? I have him at twenty four. I have him at number two. Oh yeah, I mean. The dude had four touchdowns and looked like a beast last week. This guy looks like, you know, a star already. I don't see any reason not to either. Like, personally, I'm going to be heavy on Chase Claypool as well. I don't think that it's a like a fish play or anything like that. The dude is priced at 5.2K. Deontay Johnson's out. Um, honestly, I haven't seen a wide receiver impress me more than that since, like, Odell Beckham in his rookie year. Rookie year. So, um, I was already impressed by him when he had that long touchdown a few weeks ago and just seeing what his efficiency is on his targets overall. I mean, something that goes underrated oftentimes is like just efficiency of a wide receiver. Like what's his efficiency over other wide receivers on his own team? What's his efficiency just like per target compared to, you know, what his quarterback gets in yards per target? Um, and Claypool would be high even without his longest touchdown. So he's just someone who is completely beasting right now. And I think he's going to continue to do that. I wouldn't be shocked to see them use him as a little bit of a decoy because, you know, when a guy has a four touchdown game, team game plan against him the next week. Um, But at the same time, they like to move him around. They put him in the slot and that makes it pretty difficult to completely shut him down. I think they're also going to be able to open things up for some of their other receiving weapons who I think are going to be very unowned. So I like the Steelers passing game this week. And I think it's going to be a really interesting spot because um, Cleveland's been getting into shootouts and actually the Steelers were in a shootout last week. So um, this one has potential to go pretty high scoring. And if it does, I think it could be pretty low owned as well. So there's definitely going to be some, some plays that I like in this matchup. Um, Look, one that I'm not super high on, I know people are mentioning it a little in the chat is Juju. I'm not that high on him this year. He doesn't look explosive to me this year. I think he's been dealing with some nagging injuries that have held him back. I'm going to have him in some lineups because even though he's like just flat out overpriced right now, um, if he has one long touchdown or if he scores two touchdowns, which he's totally capable of doing, then he could still be one of the players that hits value from the receiver position. But I kind of like James Washington and, um, you know, there's one other play that I'll probably get to later on that I like as well. Yeah, we're probably thinking the same thing about said other player. Now, this player, ah. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, there is absolutely no excuse. I don't care what you say about Chase Claypool. I don't care if he's Calvin Johnson. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. You name it. You, na- you name whatever player you think he is. He's not 12 times better than Juju Smith-Schuster this week as far as being a potential top scorer on the slate. So 
I, I cannot abide this kind of ownership and say with confidence that I think that Claypool is that much better of a play, especially if you think he's going to be even higher owned than what I have for him here. So I don't have as much confidence in Claypool for tournaments as you. I do want to rely on the fact that he's still a rookie. Like you, like you said, there could be some game planning, planning involved. If he finds himself, I mean, you know, if he finds himself against Denzel, Denzel Ward's playing, right? Like if he's lined up against Denzel Ward more than his fair share, then that, that could be, that could be an issue for him as well. I mean, there's, there's just a number of things here that make me not want to get like super excited to play chalk chase Claypool it, right after he just had the huge game. Not saying he can't get it done, but I'm just saying from a tournament perspective, there's definitely going to be more people on him than his chance to be one of the top scorers on the slate. That that I can promise you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you on that. <laughs> look, I just think that he is such a high likelihood of hitting this week anyway because he's such a low price. I mean, he's going to be like, probably a 7k player pretty soon. Um, I think that he is, you know, just that good. And I think that Ben Roethlisberger does a good job with receivers like that at really peppering them with targets. And um, that's the thing that I think is going to make things work out well for him. I'm really not worried about Denzel Ward in this matchup because he's 5'11", 190, and Chase Claypool is like almost 240, I believe. So, I, I mean, he could just contest the catch all day against um, Denzel Ward if that's the matchup. I mean, you want to put Denzel Ward on him, go ahead. I don't think that's going to work. You need more than one guy on him. Strong endorsement there. So we'll have to see how this goes. You know, we'll have to see if Claypool can follow up his first couple of strong performances with a performance while he's the chalk. I think that that's a big bet to make. I think a lot of people are going to make it, and I can't put up a strong argument. He looked fantastic. Now, Adam Thielen has looked fantastic all season long. He's been getting just incredible shares of team like incredible shares of team usage uh now he's going to face the atlanta falcons who are going to throw out jabroni central to try to cover him and it's just not going to work out too well uh, eventually if you give kirk cousins enough time he's going to find adam thielen and i think that at 7300 he's certainly a high floor play is he high enough ceiling to be played as the chalk i have him over 20 percent owned. yeah um personally this is one while it looks really good on paper, I could see this as a bust spot for Thielen. Um, he's priced up pretty high. He's had a lot of touchdowns for, you know, someone who doesn't typically score that much. Um, I think that this is a situation where he could be sort of locked onto by the defense or game plan against. And I, I would like um, Justin Jefferson a little bit more in this matchup. But at the same time, I mean, they, they run the ball like half the time. So it's, kind of a low volume passing attack and they've been in shootouts like these almost every game has been a shootout with this team and even in these shootouts they're not getting 30 pass attempts except for one game so I mean Cousins averages like 28 pass attempts per game total and Thielen's getting what around a third of those so um, it's a ton of targets it's a really high target share but I mean if Cousins just doesn't drop back to pass that much then we could see this like seven target game where Thielen goes, you know, five for 60 without a score. And then everyone's mad that drafted him. Yeah, it's crazy. We're going to see high owned Thielen. We're going to see high owned Alexander Madison. We might see a high owned tight end on this team. We're not going to see uh, too much. Why? It's a well, horrible play. <laughs> well, trust. I mean, trust me, there's people talking about that. And I think that's going to happen a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be that chalky, but you know, people people are definitely lining up Minnesota Vikings. They're not really lining up Kirk Cousins, and they're not really lining up too many Atlanta Falcons on the way back. So I think these are like your one-off spots of the week. So for me, I don't I don't know if you can really play Vikings if you're not stacking the game, right? I mean, how can you how can you go? I mean, you can play Madison, but yeah. you're gonna I play Adam Thielen as a one-off this week with with like all these people playing him, and he's like like one of the one-off option du jours. Like you're like you're definitely going to be risking putting your lineup in position to be similar to others. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that in general, I, I'm contrarian enough with the way that I do things that I very rarely have, like, any lineup duplicates, so, um, like, to anyone else. So, yeah, I mean, I always have a couple of low-owned plays in every lineup, and they tend to be, like, somewhat off the grid. So um, I try to just make those guys that are – good players who people just aren't on because of matchups. So I do feel like people overrate matchups each week. 
And I think that oftentimes uh, um, matchups that look like they're going to be shootouts are basically two teams that have had a lot of shootouts that are destined to sort of regress to a more normal game pace. And I think this is one of those that could happen. So um, while it could totally shoot out, you know, it's very possible. I think that it's also possible that with the new coaching regime in Atlanta, they're prioritizing like, okay, we're going to do things differently. We're not going to let this game get out of hand. We're going to try to control the ball or something like that. And then maybe this game ends up being a little bit slower than what people are expecting. Let's talk about some stacking partners. We're going to get Galladay 6.2 stacked up with Matthew Stafford. He'll be pretty popular as a one-off as well. Looks like a pretty good play to me. I don't know know what your position is on him, but that you mentioned that Jacksonville pass defense, not very good. Devontae Parker is going to get some ownership stacked with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that he's going to absolutely destroy whichever jet is out there. Blesson Austin was downgraded to a DNP. I think like he was not that he was going to stop Parker, but if you, you know, if you're talking about Lamar Jackson or Quincy Wilson or something like that against Parker, he's just going to eat them alive. And there's good chance for a touchdown for Parker this week. Will Fuller, uh, is you know again Tennessee is not as good on defense as you might think. I don't believe that they're going to be able to put Watson under the kind of duress that you need to put him under to with you know to hold back his passing. And I think that that's going to benefit guys like Fuller uh, who can get down the field and make big plays, but also operate in the short and intermediate areas. Uh, Devonte Adams, while not maybe going to be part of stacks as often, is clearly. Uh, a, fa- a favorite of those who are looking to sp- there's not there's no place else to spend up Scott right we're getting savings with Bill mm-hmm. Lindsay like we're like if you're spending up besides going to Thielen I think you pretty much have to go to Devontae Adams right yeah I mean I think Ridley's an option too that might go a bit under owned I, I like Ridley's spot this week as well um it's one that probably doesn't look as good on paper with Julio coming back but I think it actually is better for him um but yeah I like I like Devontae Adams this week for sure um, it's a really expensive stack. I mean, you're getting, you know, 7.5 K Rogers with 8 K Devonte Adams. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, if it's going to be the stack of the week, it has to really, really crush, but, um, maybe there's a chance that there's a third guy added into that stack that makes it, um, a little bit different. Like if somehow you have this plus MVS and the whole thing just goes nuts, then that works. Or if the game is a mega shootout and you've got someone bringing it back on the other side. Um, there's definitely routes for this to work out, but um, for a game that's expected to be as high scoring as this is, um, it does look to be pretty under owned. And I think it is just because of the price. Yeah. And, th- and that's, that's a big deal, right? Like there's, you know, there's some, we've seen it before where like a high price game goes under owned, And it's, for whatever reason, I have a, a recollection of this happening to Tampa Bay last year. I think they're playing the Rams and like, they just, that mm. nobody played them and they ended up going just completely off with Jameis. Of course, different situation with Tom Brady there these days. Uh, but you know, there, there's, there's that plausibility out there, but like you mentioned the pricing on DraftKings specifically a little bit tough to get there. Um, Marquise Brown is a player that I believe would be higher owned if the pricing was just a little bit better on him, but I still yeah. don't think that you can make him work as easily as a one-off at 6,500, depending on who you're stacking. So I think that that will keep his ownership in check. And I think that he's got potential against Philadelphia. Uh, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. Uh, I have him in the 10% range. I think that that's a player who could easily get off on the Atlanta Falcons. Brandon Cooks should benefit some from the big game last week. I don't know if he's as good of a play as he was last week with a $900 price jump on DraftKings, but I certainly don't fear the Tennessee Titans. Uh, do you have any comments on the ownerships uh, somewhere you know below Devontae Parker and these guys? Do you think that any of these guys is, have a chance to escape up higher? Yeah, um, not too much as far as higher. I think that Marquise Brown's going to be a little lower. I think um, I got Fulgham a little higher. I got him at 10%. It's not really a big difference, but I think he could have easily been chalkier. I think he's someone who would get chalkier if somehow um, one of these good games gets moved off of the slate because of some random like outbreak or something like that um i think that he has the potential to get there um if you know we're we're really needing the value more um i think marvin jones is going to be a lot higher owned than what you have um typically his ownership with galladay is 
you know, in the two to one range, uh, Gallaudet being two. And so I've got Marvin up at like 9%, whereas I think he was down, you know, quite a bit lower on, on the projections. Um, you know, I think, I think the sharp players always play Marvin Jones at least a little bit because he's just so, so volatile. He has so many single digit games and then he has so many games that are like 25 plus. So, um, just for a guy that typically stays in his price range that he's at, um, he always has a, a really high like smash potential. Yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely true. Um, maybe you're right about his ownership. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of options at, at all the positions this week. And in particular at wide receivers, no exception. So uh, the, you know, the algorithm just didn't find a lot of percentage points for Marvin Jones here, but at 5,100, I could see him certainly getting above 5%. And, and that pretty much, you know, everyone else here, like Allen Robinson, I think he's going to be fairly low. Like, even though he's a pretty good play, I just don't see how people are going to get there often enough with all the different options that are available to them. Robbie Anderson's a player who's been really popular in the past couple of weeks, but I still, you know, is 10% even appropriate for him? I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, like, just, I like him again this week. He's at home again. I know he actually had a good game on the road, but still didn't score a touchdown. He's still at what, like five out of 34 road games touchdowns for his career and almost half of a touchdown per game at home for his career. So I like him again this week. Yeah. I'm, I'm not having as good of a time as I've had in the past couple of weeks, finding low own wide receivers that I'm just in love with. So maybe you can help me out with that when we get to that. I have a couple of them this week that I like, and, and one of them is a weird one, but I think it makes sense. All right. Let's talk about wide receivers. I'm tight sorry. End? Let's talk about tight ends. Uh, John, is the guy that I'm thinking is going to be towards the top of ownership on DraftKings, 17% ish owned, so certainly somewhere in the teens. Uh, then you got the cheapies, Trey Burton, who is going to benefit with no Mo Ali Cox at 3,100. I think that that will be a roster construction play in a lot of lineups. Same with Irv Smith at 2,500. I, I don't know if it's going to amount to 20% of total lineups, but I certainly think it'll be more than more than 12, like somewhere between 6 and 10% owned or 6 and 12% owned for both of those guys. I'll have to really think about that as, as I start to map out the, the, you know, the manual edits that I'll do to these projections. And then uh, Mike Kosicki, Seems like he'll be one of the Ryan Fitzpatrick pairings at 5,500. But, you know, once you get past Janu, I kind of struggled with tight end this week and looking at this over and really seeing it clearly who's going to be owned. Who, who do you have at the top of your tight end projections? Uh, still Janu, but I have him at 20%. I think he gets a little bit chalkier. And, and then I have Robert Tanya in second. I mean, he's coming off that three-touchdown game, and we just don't have many viable tight ends. Um, also, with that game being pretty expensive, I think that this is a more affordable piece that just looks good in lineups because of his touchdown history. And with tight end being such a horrific position this week, I think that he's going to get up there in ownership quite a bit. I think the Zach Ertz ownership is going to be real low, like 4%. Um, and I think you got, I mean, Noah Fant's still going to be low because he's questionable. So if he plays, he's going to stay way down there. Um, Gesicki, I've got, I've got him at 12%, which I think you had him at before too. Um, I could see him. Yeah. I could see him getting down lower than that though, because he's just ridiculously expensive for being Mike Gesicki. So I think that um, Tanyan is a guy that could really get up there higher than expected. Mark Andrews is 6,500. I think that, Given unlimited funds, you'd see more Mark Andrews this week. Do you believe that it's proper to keep him in check because of that $6,500 price tag? There's no one else to really pay it for at tight end. So I kind of fear like. Yeah, it it looks like they just looked at all the tight ends this week and just said, let's just make all of them 1K overpriced, you know, and and just call it a day. Except one guy we'll talk about in just a little bit. Defense. Wow. Wow. Miami Dolphins are chalk. Is that is that what my eyes are seeing? Is that actually a thing that's going to happen in year of our Lord? Well, I'm not surprised by anything in 2020, but Dolphins chalk, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, they're cheap and they're facing the Jets. It doesn't seem like they should only be 2.9K after they just routed the 49ers, you know? So it's kind of a crazy um, pricing even just because it is the Jets. They're awful. Um yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it besides that. So 
Yeah, it, it just makes sense to me as far as a play. And some of these other ones, I don't I don't think any of them are gonna get out of hand. I don't think any really get much more than 10%. So, you know, you got the Colts up there. Um you have the Vikings that Yeah, well they're twenty. Yeah, yeah, they're cheap. It makes sense. Yeah, and I think the Patriots will probably get some, some ownership here at yeah, 41. I mean, if, if you're looking to pay up, that's one of the spots. The Pittsburgh Steelers are just 3,600. I think that that'll be a defense people will gravitate. I don't think people are going to get to the Ravens at 4.5, and I don't think that's surprising to hear. But, man, I mean, Carson Wentz has been just not very good at pro football, and this defense is pretty capable of having big games. I just think 4,500 is going to be too much for people. I think on other sites – You'll see Baltimore, uh, the ownership's not popping up here, but the ownership on other sites is going to be greater for the Ravens than it is on DraftKings. Yeah. You got a favorite defense? Um, at the moment, it's probably just the Dolphins. I like the maybe both defenses in the Giants and uh, football team game. <laughs> so probably Washington a little bit more because I just think um, I like taking defenses that have a game record like, um, like Chase Young on the team, you know, last week it kind of worked out with the um, with the who am I thinking? The Browns, and then having Miles Garrett against a backup left tackle, like that was massive. And you know, I don't know if he's necessarily the reason they got a defensive touchdown or anything, but it tends to be the case that when you've got a severe mismatch on offensive line and edge rusher, that um, bad things happen for the offense, and sometimes you get more defensive touchdowns and things like that happen. All right. So folks, we're going to get into the low own section of this broadcast that we do this each and every week. If you're not familiar with Scott, Scott likes to play a lot of qualifiers. He happens to win a lot of qualifiers, which is just absurd. I don't know who mm-hmm. does that, but he tends to find his way to the top more than his fair share. I and bubble does, a lot of them too. <laughs> he, he does not do it by playing plays that are for the faint of heart. So we are not talking about plays that you'll use in the FanDuel single entry series so much. From week six to 13, you will not be using them in your $5, $33, $100 single entry contest there. You will not be combining your top four scores with all of these plays, maybe some of them, but not all of them. And you certainly won't be hoping to get to the six man final as a top two finisher. That's worth $20,000. We're, we're really talking about plays for these big field contests here. When we go to these low owned plays, plays under 5% owned. So Scott, if you're looking to get to the top of one of these contests, you're looking for some exposure to players that are off the board where are you going at quarterback this week yeah you know there's two of them that I actually like a lot this week and I kind of want to see I want you to go first in case you have one of the ones that I I want to say so uh, who do you have yeah it's simple I, I look at the profile of the Vikings defense and I look at the profile of Matt Ryan and I say to myself this is a this is an individual who likes to go deep if you look at the passing identity of the team uh, in Gridiron IQ, uh, the bulk of their targets compared to the league are are very heavy from 10-plus yards downfield. Like Matt Ryan wants to throw the deep ball. Matt Ryan wants to go deep. Conversely, the Vikings, not particularly good at preventing the deep ball, not, not particularly imposing. There are players on this Falcons team that can get downfield and do some damage. I mean, obviously Julio's going to be available. I don't know if he'll be effective. But Calvin Ridley is one of those guys. I think Matt Ryan is going to be woefully underowned by comparison to his chance to have a 300-yard, four-touchdown game. It's not necessarily my favorite spot for a shootout, but if you're talking about offering to me a player who can get over the 300-yard bonus and multiple touchdowns at 3% ownership, I think that that is more than a fair trade. Nothing particularly imposing about the matchup. I'm interested in Matt Ryan at low ownership this week. Yeah, that is definitely one of the ones that I was thinking too, so I'm glad you took that one. Um, I'm right there with you on Matt Ryan as well. Um, the one that I'm going to pick is uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he's he's had an excellent start as far as touchdowns, but he hasn't really put up the massive yards because he hasn't needed to. Um, the Steelers have broken a, a decent amount of big run plays, and that's given them a lot of chunk yardage that has made it so they haven't really had to rack up the yards as much, even though they're scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, they also get some help from their defense with creating turnovers and I think that this week um, there's a chance that Roethlisberger racks up more yards. Um, if he somehow gets a high volume of passes this week, then you can see a pretty big game from him. Maybe he hits the 300-yard bonus. Maybe he throws three to four touchdowns. Um, he's still got those 
crazy career home road splits that are just absolutely insane. And I think that um, some of his other options besides just Claypool are solid options as well. Mini shout out to Daniel Jones here, who is going to be almost completely unowned and mm. watching defense while they're improved. I, I, I still think that Daniel Jones has a ceiling. I'm not saying he's going to hit this week, but I think that he's going to be woefully, woefully, woefully low and rightfully so, but I'm just throwing out a, a you know, a million, million maker dart throw. If you're making a bunch of laps. All right. Who do you got at, at running back? Um, It's going to be a guy that appears here a lot. It's Joe Mixon. You know, he's one that I tend to pick a lot of times because he gets to a point of low ownership a lot because of negative game script. But the thing is, he plays in negative game script. Um, they haven't been running out Gio Bernard as much when they're behind. Um, they still kind of use him as like a third down back when they're behind. And Mixon's been getting more and more targets. He's got an elite role. You know, he just hasn't – I think he's only had one game where he's had touchdowns, but he had three that game. I think that Indy's defense is very good, but I do think that this Cincinnati team is better than their record. And I think that they're going to have some games where they surprise some teams. So I think that Mixon is a good option. I think that there's a chance that this game doesn't go in Indy's direction. I think everyone's kind of looking at it as, oh, Indy's going to roll. That's what's going to happen. I don't think that's necessarily the case because Phillip Rivers has not been playing well. And I think Joe Burrow is at this point a better quarterback than him. And I think that Cincinnati might actually be able to move the ball on this indie defense. And if they do, Mixon is a guy who's going to be getting fed quite a bit. The New York Giants are not a good defense. And Antonio Gibson has been getting workhorse caliber duty in the, I won't say workhorse, but he's, he's gotten there, right? He's up in the range now where we can start to get excited about how they're using him. Uh, he's a player that has not yet had the really explosive breakout performance that I think some people were hoping for. I think this is the first legitimate spot for that to occur. I think that the emergence of Philip Lindsay will lower the ownership beyond where I have it right oh. now and put him into the low owned plays conversation. I don't see any checkboxes against Antonio Gibson, other than maybe the fact that McKissick steals a little bit too much passing game work for our liking. I still think there's the opportunity for him to score two touchdowns easily with the amount of times that he's on the field and I still, I think he could get 100 yards rushing in a spot like this. So this is a situation where you're, you've got a lot of options at running back. Yes. A, a lot of them that you can pencil in on paper and median projections as being better than Gibson, but not by that much. I like Gibson for big field tournaments this week. Who do you like at wide receiver? Yeah, at wide receiver, I've got a couple of them that I want to say. Um, there's one that I'm going to go with. This is a deep one, but I think it's a good play this week. And he might, he really might just be 1% owned. Uh, I like Randall Cobb this week to stack with. Um, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> was that how be in you? the world? How in the world do you steal Randall Cobb? I mean, I mean, I, that's unbelievable. Go ahead. I really didn't think you would pick him. I'm sorry about that. No, um, go go for it. Talk about it. Yeah, I mean, he is the cheapest piece to this passing game that's going to be on the field all game. Basically, he's going to be um, only 4.4 k. Both. Actually, both Will Fuller and um, Brandon Cooks have really, really crazy home road splits for their careers where they produce like crazy at home and they tend to bust on the road and they don't score touchdowns very often on the road. So I could see them just kind of underwhelming this week at much higher costs. And Randall Cobb, I mean, he's getting the targets. He's been efficient in the targets. He hasn't really um, scored much. He had one touchdown in the year, so I could see a touchdown from him and you really just don't need that big of a game for him from him. And um, he pairs really well with Watson because Watson being more expensive. And a lot of times we actually see um, lineups in the Millie maker that have like, if they've got an expensive quarterback, they've got him paired with a cheap wide receiver. It's, we've seen it with like Mahomes and Sammy Watkins on cheap days or like Nicole Hardman. So it, it definitely can happen. And um, I think that this would be a good piece if, you know, Watson has one of those massive games where he has a rushing touchdown or two also. Man, I didn't think there was any way you were landing on Cobb. I think the one thing I like about Cobb that made me interested in him is the fact that if you're trying to build a, you know, a, a scenario where Watson's going completely off and there's multiple passing touchdowns, I think it's easier to go ahead and pair Fuller with Brandon Cooks and not go down to Cobb. And I think that 
the difference between, you know, the potential for those players to have the big game is not nearly as big as the ownership would imply. So I just think that Cobb, if you're making a Texan stack, bringing it back with somebody on the Titans, it just presents a better chance of creating a unique lineup for yourself. And that's what was driving me to a level of interest there. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't even really want to get into any of these other guys down here. Do you have a, Do you have a second wide receiver that you like here? Yeah, I should have let you go first because I had another one that I liked a lot. It's It's a good bring back from uh, my quarterback, and I think um, assuming that he plays, um, I think Odell Beckham is a good one this week as well. Um, he's going to be very low owned if he plays, and if this game is going to be a shootout, then Odell Beckham on the other side has a big opportunity. They really are trying to get him the ball despite a low volume passing game. Um, I think that they're going to struggle to run the ball with Kareem Hunt because Pittsburgh has a very good run defense and that could lead to a lot more targets from Odell Beckham and he tends to be um, efficient in his targets or he can just break one big play even if he's inefficient so I think it works out pretty well with Odell. Yeah I mean Travis Fulham was able to get a couple of catches last week against this defense. He looked like Odell last week right with that number 13 getting catches on every play. So I can't really argue with you there. Let's talk about tight ends. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal one from you now. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can eat me. Uh, Eric Ebron is just not going to be high enough owned for this. Like the usage for Ebron has been quite good uh, in the offense. I mean, you can project him for, you know, target share in the teens, especially with no Deontay Johnson. Uh, the, the red zone usage is there. I mean, you see him get targeted in the end zone. Uh, you, you know that uh, – in, in years past, he's been a, a player who's been able to have high touchdown upside and the matchup with Cleveland, certainly not prohibitive here. So just the bottom line at 4.1 on DraftKings, 5.2 on FanDuel. There's, there's just no reason not to be interested in Eric Ebron. If you think that the Steelers are going to put up points in this game as both you and I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta be honest. I, I really don't have a low owned tight end that I like outside of Ebron. Um, Ebron is going to be probably a core play for me as well. And um, like someone just asked which, which tight end for Tampa Bay do, do I like for GPPs? I mean, part of the problem is they have multiple tight ends that they use and none of them project well, in my opinion. So I, I don't like any of them. I like Tanya a lot still. So, you know, maybe he qualifies because you haven't projected low. So maybe I'll just go with him, but I do like Tanya a decent amount this week. Um, just given the circumstances of really not having any good tight ends to choose from. But um, I'm basically rolling out like Johnny, Tanyan, and Ebron in most of my lineups, and I'm not going to have a whole lot else. I mean, of course, I'll have some Mark Andrews because you really have to. I think I might take a little bit of TJ Hawkinson, so I guess yeah, I you think know, that could be a borderline one. That's the guy that I was going to bring up here just because okay. – if, if, if you're talking about liking Stafford and you're talking about liking taking players against this Jacksonville defense, I think it's going to be so much easier to go ahead and do, if you're making a, a two stack of the Detroit Lions in, in these big field tournaments, it's going to be so much easier to grab Jones and Galladay than it is uh, to take Hawkinson. Now, I, I think Hawkinson will, you know, maybe 5% owner or something like that, but I still think that that gives you some, some upside and some u- unique roster construction capability. I, th- I think Austin Hooper is another guy uh, against Pittsburgh. He's just getting, I mean, he had, he had, I think, a team-leading share of air yards. It's definitely a high share of air yards last year, last week, a uh, high share of targets week after week. So I am fairly, fairly interested at 3,900 on DraftKings and Austin Hooper as a roster construction play. Uh, if you're making a stack of that Pittsburgh game, it makes even more sense. Folks, that yeah. is going to do you know, Oh, one, one quick point. Sorry. Uh, so like someone was saying in the chat, if Jarvis Landry is out or if Odell Beckham is out, then I think that becomes a very strong play. Yep. And uh, – certainly a, a, a lot of uh, of cheap options at tight end this week. So it, it doesn't really bother me at all that he'll, you know, you know, these 3,900, I just don't think he's going to get that popular. Folks, that is going to do it for the ownership report here in week number six. Thanks for checking us out on YouTube. Come join us each and every week where we're talking about ownership and some of these low-owned plays. For Scott Hansen, I'm Chris Jumino. Go win something, folks. Take care.